don't do this. My blood is your blood. My blood is your blood. Don't hurt my baby. Please don't hurt my baby. Welcome to High Horror with Anya and Samantha. Hey. Do you want do you want me to call you Samantha or should I call you Sam? What's your preference? Sam, just call me Sam. Just call you Sam. Yeah. And for those who don't know, Sam is an amazing reviewer. Amazing. <laughs> um, who's also part of another podcast. Yeah, we just started uh we just were recording actually episode five this week of Let Us In Podcast. And that is on YouTube and it's on Podbean and Spotify and most apps, podcast apps. I can understand why you've got so busy. You're yeah. you're you're a good reviewer, but you're also really entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's why I wanted to to podcast with you as well. Um and Sam's Instagram handle is she needs a priest, which I love. I love so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, I'm she needs a priest just about everywhere, and all my links are in the link tree, so you can find my links to the podcast, uh, to my original fiction, uh, to the blog, to my TikTok. Everything's there. <laughs> Fantastic. So this podcast has been created. It's um, a subset of horror and more with Anya Gore. Because it seems a lot of people have really enjoyed the horror reviews. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I wanted to do something within that horror genre, but I didn't know exactly what. And then I thought connecting with you was absolutely perfect because, especially with the episode we're going to do today, because yeah. it, that first meet with Keith Cooper, who is the writer of the movie we're going to review today, which is Anything for Jackson. Yeah. It was so special to me. Me too. It was such a high point. I was, I'm still riding high from that interview. (laughs) Right? I was fangirling hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I totally was too. So a little bit of backstory for everybody. Um, Sam Sam and I were going to review Anything for Jackson, a movie that came out in 2020. Um, last year and just sort of on a whim Sam reached out to Keith on Twitter and Keith who is the writer of this incredible movie agreed to be on the podcast so go back and listen to that previous episode I'm gonna link it to this episode yeah it was great Um, it was so great and from horror fans having the creator of one of the best horror movies that's come out recently was like, oh man. I know. I still have goosebumps and he still follows me on Instagram and Twitter. (laughs) Oh, that's so, so exciting. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, he's great. And he offered so much, so much cool insight into the production of the movie, which we don't often get to hear directly from the, the filmmaker's mouth. So I thought that was one of the pinnacles of podcasts in the last year (laughs) for sure well and you and I were both also very new at podcasting at that time and so it was like such a cool get I was so impressed that you were able to get him to come on yeah I have no problem reaching out to people I I have no shame (laughs) (laughs) perfect well I mean the horror community is so good about that right it's the everyone is on board with each other which I love 
Exactly. Everybody's super supportive. Exactly. Um, so today we are talking about 2020's Anything for Jackson, which was written by Keith Cooper mm-hmm. and dire- directed by Justin G. Dyke. And the quick synopsis is a sinister couple hatch a supernatural scheme to resurrect their dead grandson through a pregnant woman. Which is funny because they're actually not really a sinister couple. No, they're not. This is how Rotten Tomatoes had as their synopsis of the movie. And I, I liked it a little bit better than IMDb's. They say a bereaved Satanist couple, which is actually more accurate. Yes, exactly. And I love the score on Rotten Tomatoes, 98%. Oh, I know. 98, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, which I'm going to agree with completely. Yeah, exactly. And most of the reviews that I see are four and five stars, so it's got really great reviews. Uh, I'm not sure if you caught the, the Roger Ebert reviews, but he called it a very smart movie. So even Roger Ebert was on board. Which is huge, because not a lot of Canadian-made horror films make it to that level. Exactly. Yeah, and like I think this is probably the best Canadian horror movie to come out since Ginger Snaps. Agreed. I agree yeah. with you. So this is your spoiler warning. If you haven't yet seen the awesome movie, Anything for Jackson, please stop this. Run and fucking watch the damn thing, will you? And then come back and listen to what we have to say about it. I've watched it five times now. <laughs> I found a ghost today. I was so excited. You did. You found one of the ghosts. I did. Oh. It's at fifty more. It's about fifty-four minutes in. I'm writing this down. Yeah, look at it. It's about fifty-four minutes in, and there's a ghost behind the the door to Jackson's room. Uh, Audrey's with Shannon, and they pan out a bit, and you see a ghost behind the door. Amazing. I'm yeah. so ready to that I squealed down. with the light. No kidding. <laughs> so anyone listening, if you don't know, part of what Keith and Justin did is they subtly placed these kind of hidden ghosts all throughout the film. Uh, and I don't know exactly how many there were. I don't remember I what. five. Is it five? I think so. Yeah, they're like, and they also have like little Easter eggs all over the place. Mm-hmm. And not everybody is able to see all of the ghosts. And these are not the ghosts that are the main ghosts. No, they're hidden in the background. Like, it's taken me five times to watch it. And that's what's great about this movie, because it has such high rewatchability because of that. Because you like you want to find those ghosts. So five times, and I've only caught, I think, two of them. Two, yeah. <laughs> I've only seen one. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay, so if you had to give it, say out of five what would you give this movie out of five? Oh, definitely five it hits every good horror point it hits the humor it hits the darkness it hits the creepiness um the the gore is very subtle but it's there mm-hmm. uh the makeup and effects were done really well the writing is flawless the acting's perfect like it, it really is a perfect horror movie for horror fans I agree. It's, and I mean, I think you and I discussed this with Keith, but it feels like a love letter from a horror fan to horror fans. And it was. (laughs) It was, because they are really big horror fans. And that was one of the things that Keith had told us, is that they have a long list of Hallmark movies to their 
their credit. And those movies kind of gave them the ability financially to make this movie, which was actually their their goal was to make a horror movie. Um, and having those Hallmark movies behind them actually gave them that ability to give us that empathy for the characters that that you should like be afraid of, but you feel so bad for at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So they're able, I, I felt like there was a lot of heart in the writing, which is hard to, to portray in horror. It is, unless it's really cheesy. Mm-hmm. What I love about, about this movie is like you were saying, the comedy element, it isn't an over the top hit you in the face horror comedy Mm-mm. like Tucker and Dale that's a that's an obvious horror comedy yes yeah it's very subtle and it's it's dark humor and when you first start watching it you almost think it could be a dark comedy but then it takes boom a twist like within the first two minutes of the mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. and it's just I love that it starts right away like it's not a slow burn by any means no it captures yeah. your attention yeah in that first opening scene yeah within two minutes yeah it's great (laughs) but I love it as well because the opening scene they're just sitting there and they're discussing his pants and how he has to go to work and oh wait there she is and all of a sudden they're abducting (laughs) some pregnant lady and bringing her kicking and screaming into their house and yeah you're watching this and you're like I don't know how to feel right now this feels very uncomfortable but that was just a a very nice moment between an older couple like yeah it's just like their daily morning routine and then it's just interrupted and then you see uh audrey hitting her over the head with the candlestick that was great i <laughs> dragging her down the stairs <laughs> so good i wrote that I, I said the duality of the niceness and the pleasantness and yes. then the seemingly large amount of empathy yeah. between the two captors it is so well written it is, yeah, it really is. It's almost like how do you, how did you write that so well? What kind of experience do you guys have with this? Like, it's from all those Hallmark movies. <laughs> like, how do we make one of those? Give you the feels. How do we make one of those characters twisted? Right. <laughs> it's so good and. Yeah, like, there's just so many great scenes in it. Like, I almost forgot. Like, I just rewatched it again today just to refresh myself. Because um, I watch a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, like, some of the, the best scenes. Like, that scene where Henry is disposing of Rory's body in the woods. And he gets the call from the cops. And he just breaks down and just freaks out. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good and it's important to note too that Julian Richings won an award for his performance in this um, for is it the Blood in the Snow Horror Festival that we have in Canada? Yeah I think that's what it's called yeah. Yeah so he won uh, he won an award for best actor in this and he definitely earned it because he was really good. Oh so good. Yeah. I just I love everything about the the just the nice naivete he has Mm -hmm. everything he's doing is strictly for her that's it yeah and it's almost like it's it it's funny because they're satanists yeah right (laughs) so it none of the situations that they're in should be surprising but because he's so 
just seems like a really nice man all the time. You wouldn't necessarily look at him and go, oh, okay, you just killed someone or dragged and kidnapped a lady and you preemptively planned this for eight months. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> the layers to it, so yeah, great. There's so many layers and like like you said, like the couple are, they're so sweet. Like here's Shannon, the, the pregnant girl that they've just kidnapped to perform basically a reverse exorcism to get their grandson back. So she's handcuffed to a bed and Audrey notices that she's got some marks on her wrist. So she knits cozies <laughs> for the handcuffs to make it more comfortable. <laughs> I... But also the, the actress who plays Shannon just nails this really subtle shock that she plays yes. throughout the whole thing. Constantina Mantelos is her name. Yes. I'm such a good name too, right. but... Um, I know the details that go into this movie, like even when she's tweeting for Shannon and texting people back, their yeah. reactions to, cause they're, they're not a, you know, technologically savvy couple. What is DTF? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can't spell it out, you probably shouldn't say it. <laughs> you do realize this is going to be us in 15 years, right? Right. <laughs> it's me now. <laughs> hey, I had to look up what NSFW was recently. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've had to look up acronyms too because I'm too ashamed to ask. <laughs> secretly Google. I just, I just laughed so hard my uh, my earphones fell off. Oh, I love it when they bring in technology things like that into horror movies when it's not done in a creepy way. Like the the, it's not like the ghosts ended up in the phone or anything like that, right? Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was super accurate of what would happen in that kind of situation in a really crazy situation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like the casting, like you said about. Shannon or Constantina's performance that was something else that's really noteworthy about this movie is that the casting is perfect and all the actors absolutely nail their roles they really do and it's such a good dynamic too it is like the character of Ian is portrayed by Josh Curtis mm -hmm. and I'm telling you I love that character so much he's so crazy and so out there but he played that so well Oh, absolutely. And he's not in it very, very long. But when he is in it... He's very commanding. He is, and it's such a memorable yeah. performance. It is. You don't forget it. Yeah. Not not at all. And I just also love that, you know, he's down there reading all of this, the Satan kind of worship um, historical things in his basement. And he's blasting metal music, and his yeah. mom is there. And then you find out later, he just, he killed her. Yeah, she's trying to get him to come up for dinner. <laughs> I don't want any fucking dinner, so he kills her. <laughs> it was just so good. I know. I agree. <laughs> I completely agree. Oh, shoot. Yeah, but the I thought characters that... are very memorable. Sorry. Oh, they hugely are. Yeah. What I like about this movie as well is there's a lot of symbolism and 
of, of dark versus light and, you know, good versus evil. Mm-hmm. But they don't do it in a religious way or, or make it seem like there's any propaganda here. That's right. Yeah, it's very unbiased the way they present it. It is. And it's almost yeah. like... Like, oh, okay, they're just, they're Satanists. They go to these yep. Satanist groups and they practice Satanism together. Like, it's not not unusual at all. Yeah, it's not. It's just in the back of a library, you know, they serve snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Which I would really actually like to accidentally stumble across a Satanistic right? <laughs> I'm going to group. my library and looking in the back. <laughs> I, it also makes me think... What library would just say, okay, like, I want to know more details about that. Right, the big pentagram on the table and all the candles. Like, yeah, that's no problem with all the books in the birth. I know. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so great. It's it's really subtle the way they did that. And you just think, oh, it's just normal. This is part of their routine. (laughs) I, (laughs) I know, I know. But you would, like... What I love about that as well is if this was on the other side of it, it was coming from a religious standpoint, all of that would have been presented in a very dark and menacing way. Yeah. But it isn't. It's light, but it's also not specifically meant to be funny. Yeah. But it's, but it is. It is. Yeah. It's unintentionally like, yeah, the way they write it, it's it's so light, like you said. Like it's not it's not coming from a heavy religious and it's not even heavily Satanist either. It's it's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. It's in the background. Like the mm-hmm. the main star of this film is grief and what it does to people. You know, I don't remember if this was discussed and maybe you can remind me, but were they always Satanists or did they become Satanists once the daughter and the grand grandson died i think they became um because i didn't hear any mention of that either uh until there's a part in the movie it's it's near like the ending where (coughs) pardon me where henry's sitting with shannon on the bed and he's telling her how he'll do anything for his wife uh and that she, after the accident, she couldn't come back up. So he had to join her on the way back down. Oh, so, that's right. So I think maybe out of desperation, they turned to this. Yes. Well, like you said, the, the primary uh, feel of the movie is grief. And so grief can make you do crazy things as as we know trying to perform a reverse exorcism yeah like it's almost like they they could have had a very pious background given the way they behave and the way they uh speak to each other and to shannon like you'd think that they were probably people who maybe have gone to church in the past maybe they lost their faith after the accident who knows it's true yeah you know, as a mom, I was when I was watching this, I remember them talking about how the daughter, that was her room, mm. and how she just wasn't able to really come back after everything. Yeah. And then knowing that not only did she lose her daughter, and her daughter lost her son, but she also lost her grandson. And I can absolutely understand nobody being able to really come back from all of that. Yeah, it's like layers of loss and grief. Mm-hmm. 
but it's done in such a way where you're not feeling dread throughout the entire film. Yeah. Which, like, when you watch Hereditary, that is dread from the second it opens until the second it ends. And that's yeah. a heavy feeling. <laughs> it is a heavy feeling. I, I wonder, because anything for Jackson didn't have a heavy score either. So mm-hmm. I think that may have played a, a big role. I think if they had had, like, a really heavy uh, score over the movie like they do in, like, movies like Hereditary, there's a very obvious score that helps set the tone it's true um, i feel like that that kind of leaves it up to the audience to see how they feel rather than being told how to feel that's right yes yeah, yeah. i agree with you but also the coloring in this movie aside from mm-hmm. when they're downstairs in the in the bedroom is very bright mm-hmm and one scene in particular that sticks out to me, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes is where Audrey takes him to the spot where she found the dead crow and she's yes. resurrecting him. And I mean, it's hilarious because they're wearing all black and they've yeah. got this black crow, but then they're standing in this incredibly bright white snow mm-hmm. And it's so bright, but also so dark at the same time. And I don't honestly, I can't think of very many horror movies that have very bright scenery like that, that actually has it be effective. Because I find if you're in a horror movie zone and you get put into bright scenery, it kind of removes you a little bit from the, yes. from the horror itself. Yeah, because it changes like the, the tone, the feel of it, right? Um, but I, yeah, that, that's that's a good point. The, the the juxtaposition between the dark and the light in that scene, I didn't pick up on that until you just mentioned it. So it's beautiful. There's, I yeah. find there's a lot of that. The yes, the like you said, the juxtaposition of the two. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, yeah, just I'm so impressed. I'm constantly impressed by this movie. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like even when I rewatched it today, I was like, oh, so good. I forgot how much I loved it. Um, just everything. Like I, I wrote down like all the the best bits. Like the crow scene, like you said, is one one of my favorite parts too. Um, he's she's just out there in the open with this. To like, <laughs> how many thousand year old book? <laughs> just out there, just randomly resurrecting dead animals. And he's like, "You can't be doing this." She's like, "I've been doing it all morning." <laughs> I know. And it, so the just the sweetness to her as yeah. well while she's saying this, as you said, she's reading this satanic book about resurrecting the dead. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. But what I the other thing I like about this movie is then on the reverse side of all of that ju- juxtaposition of the sweetness mixed in with these kind of odd, dark satanistic kind of elements, then you've got some of the gore yeah and like that tooth flossing scene oh that flossing lady the that the is... sound and the oh. at the speed she is yeah. flossing and you know she's all she's flossing into at that point are her gums yeah because all of her teeth are falling out onto the floor and that is one of the creepiest things i have seen like that's going to be etched in my mind forever forever you can't unsee that scene no it's kind of like I equate it to the the naked lady and room is it four oh seven? Two oh seven in the shining oh, the overlook? Yes. It's kinda like that. 
once you've seen it, it is embedded in your brain and it never right. leaves. Yeah, It'll never leave. And you're going to see it everywhere you go. <laughs> what is it with old naked ladies that just know. seem to be extra creepy? <laughs> I don't know. It seems to be a common trope over the last couple of years. We're seeing a lot of that right now. I don't know if you've watched X. Or I not, but... did watch X. That's exactly <laughs> what popped into my brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although that movie, that's a different level of of yeah. creepy old naked lady. But um... <laughs> yeah, I've done a couple reviews on that one already. <laughs> I know. I wanted. I I'm looking forward to listening to your episode about that one. Actually, yeah. I think it just came out on Friday. Yeah. 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 So uh, if you haven't had a chance, everybody, first of all, go see X and then go listen to um, Sam's other podcast. She gets into it with all four of the ladies. Yeah, it's me and three other creators from TikTok. I I followed them. They were all in horror talk and I I liked how they presented their reviews. So I just asked them if they wanted to do a podcast and they said yes. (laughs) Well, that's the great thing about podcasting the way that we can now you don't have to be in the same city you don't have to be together it's you just find like-minded people yep and it's so great it is like i'm in nova scotia uh crystal is in ontario justine's in washington state and emma is in new hampshire wow so really just all over the place yeah yeah i love it yeah it's fun like we get together once a week and yeah it's become a it's become something that I really look forward to now well that's good that's great that's what I was sort of hoping as well with with us doing reviews because I love the horror and more and I like being able to talk about different episodes of and different a variety of topics Mm -hmm. but it's undeniable talking about horror movies Right? It's so much fun. So much fun. Well, especially when you get to talk about these kind of horror movies. Yeah, exactly. I loved it in this movie when the other, like, once the the gateway has been opened, Mm -hmm. and then the other entities start showing up. Yeah. So, basically, Audrey and uh, Henry, they perform a ritual, but they've only partially done it. Um, so Ian informs them that basically they've summoned Sergath, who unlocks the gate between us and tormented souls. And once the gate is open, every ghost in purgatory is going to be crawling to find a host. And that's a quote from the movie. Um, love so, that. Yeah, I love that quote too. So that's what they've done is they've opened the gate. So now any spirit that's tormented can come in. I don't know about you, but the first time I saw that, I call him the bag head ghost. He's got the mm. bag, the backwards twisting. That was the first time in this movie where I had a bit of a jump scare because he. Oh yeah, I call him suffocating man. Suffocating man, yeah. <laughs> Actually, what do what do they call him on IMDb? He's got to be referred to. I'm gonna look. I have him noted as the suffocating man slash contortionist. <laughs> totally. He is a contortionist. That's... Yeah, it's so creepy. Oh, it's so creepy. And also a super... Oh, suffocating ghost is what they call him. Oh, well, close. Very close. <laughs> but uh, that, yeah, that actor is what he can do with his body. Right. He's an actual contortionist. So that was all real. It wasn't effects. And I love that. 
it was, yeah, the practical effect on that. Oh, mm-hmm. but what's crazy is I've, I've done a few different shoots where I've, mm-hmm. I've weared a bag over my head before. Or I've weared, mm-hmm. is what I said. I've worn <laughs> around my kids too much. Um, <laughs> I've worn a plastic bag over my head and it is hard oh, to yeah, film. And so he's doing this. As he's upside down and backwards, and I can yeah. tell you, having any volume of actual air in the bag while you're trying to suck it in is almost impossible. So you actually have to be suffocating for a quick moment to oh. capture that full essence of the bag getting put into your mouth. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's a creepy scene because, I mean, how many times... This is something that I've always been terrified of since I was a little kid, that I would look out over the edge of my bed and there would be a face. I know. Out. And it happens in this movie and and you don't expect it. And yeah. when it does, you're like, holy shit. <laughs> well, yeah. And then he's suddenly like moving crazy and coming on oh. top of her. And oh, my. Oh, it's so creepy. It is very creepy. If you yeah. are not good with, with actual scares that's Mm. a scene that would really get under your skin yeah and that that's something that um i noted that ebert had mentioned or in the ebert review that i read because i think he's passed away so i'm not sure um he said that dick justin dick has a clever habit of not heavily foreshadowing his scares Mm -hmm. so you don't know that it's going to happen it just kind of like the imagery just is thrust upon you and you're like oh you know, like, yeah. it's, not, it's not like a jump scare. It's not heavily foreshadowed. It's just, boom, there it is. And then they they embrace it completely. Yeah. I think about as well, like, the, the little ghost, the trick-or-treating ghost mm. that was knocking on all of the doors. Mm-hmm. You, like, I love the connection that it had to when it was her daughter. And yeah. the idea of that being her daughter and her, just her simple reaction, like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? Any other person would have gone screaming in the other direction because yeah. she knew what was happening and that it was some kind of ghost was trying to to creep her out. Yeah, and that that's that's another element to, to this movie is anybody who gets near the property, like there seems to be a vicinity around the home um, that they are affected Mm-hmm. So we have a couple of disturbing death scenes, which are done so well. Oh, so um, well. Rory, the <laughs> snow guy, <laughs> he was great. Uh, that death scene, like, it was just really unexpected. And yeah. again, it, there was no foreshadowing. It just happened. And the audience is just left there sitting with your jaw open. And you're like, what just happened? Yeah, you don't get a any time to absorb it until after you've already watched it (laughs) yeah exactly there's so many moments where i found myself just sitting there with my mouth open (laughs) (laughs) for sure well the first time with the with the cop who shoots herself in the head (sighs) and then it keeps repeating over and over and over (sighs) again the first few times you're questioning what's going on and then (laughs) the guy ian comes back and they're like she's been doing this all night all night (laughs) And yeah, you mentioned the point about um, that small, the initial small ghost that we see is supposed to 
be kind of like a replication of Audrey's daughter when she was young. So what do you think when Josh is taken away? Or Josh, sorry, Ian. Josh is his real name. The character of Ian. Mm-hmm. After he's done performing the ritual and all hell breaks loose, he gets dragged away by this pervy ghost. Mm-hmm. So, Do you think it's is, his mom? No. I think that maybe he was... Uh, abused or something and maybe that's why he is the way he is oh maybe do you think maybe it it was a certain type of energy or a spirit that was kind of drawn to him and that that sort of is what took him over it it was either that or it was an actual because people see people that they know right so they're seeing jackson they're seeing their daughter so what if Hmm. that was like his tormentor oh my god so that was the thought that just popped in my head today when I was watching it. I, I didn't pick up on that before. He gets pulled away and he's basically sexually abused by this ghost. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is that why he's so messed up? Is that ghost his actual tormentor from when he was young or something like that? It could be. I never thought about that until you just said that. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. They're all connected. It's like... yeah. This, once they've opened this gate or window or whatever it is to this other side it's all negative there's not really a lot of positive there aside from jackson yeah no because they're all tormented mm-hmm. souls they're mm-hmm. not you know and they're just they've just opened the gate for the tormented souls and jackson we don't really is he a tormented soul we don't know we don't really. know yeah well that's the other thing was that even jackson in the window right at the end was that him or not we don't know i read something and they were trying to explain sort of where he went and because he gets taken away as well yes yes and one reviewer thought that that was the mother his mom that was coming to to take him away from all of that oh i thought it was the demon that's what another some reviewer thought too I don't know, because I feel like the mom's energy wasn't really there. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It, it Aside from the little ghost, but that was a tormenting kind of energy. It wasn't, it didn't feel like it was her, her mom. Exactly. And I, I think if I remember correctly, the scene at the beginning where she sees Jackson, doesn't he have like a wound in his head? Yes. So he was obviously, tor- he, he died in tormenting kind of way. Yeah, they died, uh, it was a car accident. Mm-hmm. And we learned that it was actually Audrey driving the car. So hmm. when Shannon first sees Jackson, yeah, he turns around and he's got that wound to the back of his head. So I don't know, like children, are they really tormented? It's my understanding that they just ascend, but, you know, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh but yeah i wondered the whole time was that actually jackson or was that something just playing on them i don't yeah i don't know i mean typically when you hear about satanism and you think about something like this you would think that that would just be an evil energy that knows how to kind of uh, affect the target audience exactly which they know is what they're looking for is jackson yeah but maybe it really was him i don't know that's another thing that I love about this movie is mm-hmm. that there's so much ambiguity. You'll be talking about it for a year after you watch it. I know. 
Well, we've been talking about this on and off for a year as well. I have told so many people about this movie over the past year, and so many people have said, wow, it was a fantastic movie. And, like, initially when I first watched it, I think the rating on Rotten Tomatoes was, like, 86%, and now it's at 98%. So yeah. I'm like, okay, so, yeah, it's the word has gotten out. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see if they do more. I hope they do. I hope so. No. I think, like, it's they have to. I mean, given the reception that they've received there's no way they're not going to hopefully yeah just trying to think if i have any other notes on this um oh i did write a note that the first time i watched this and the other entity started showing up i didn't get a grasp of what was happening at mm-hmm. that point mm-hmm. and i didn't connect that maybe when they had done this reverse exorcism that it wasn't done correctly. So that kind of took me by surprise a little bit. But in a way, we're kind of... Because she has to learn. Audrey has to learn how to use the phone in order to set up a fake Tinder-ish profile (laughs) for Shannon. So we kind of learn that they're not so savvy with stuff. So it wouldn't be so shocking that they would perform the ritual wrong or um, ask the wrong demon for, I, for help. The, the, well, that's the other thing, right? It was the wrong right. demon. I, I mean, have you ever had to explain to an older person how to use things on the internet? That's true. <laughs> Let alone pick the right demon when you're going through this old Satanism book, will exactly. you? Exactly. I well, it took me several watches to kind of start piecing together the fact that they weren't Satanists prior yep. to this um, grief that they went through. Because the way that you're launched into the story, it you aren't given the history of the grief and the, and the background about why they are where they are until further into the story. Yeah, it comes out through dialogue, usually between uh, Shannon and... Henry or Audrey is usually where you find out everything. Yeah, and I find that's a little bit unusual these days for horror. Usually it's really obvious it's in your face, and then you hear it right away, and then your brain starts formulating ideas of where you think the story's going to go. But this one didn't do that, because it's slowly kind of bouncing between where they are and then how they got there and then something happens and that part of the story stops and then you're in the moment about what's happening and then they go back to it again Mm -hmm. it really keeps you guessing it does and it also plays into the rewatchability now i don't know if they planned this or not it almost seems planned to me that this movie is not a movie that you're going to want to watch one time Mm -mm. yeah you're going to want to watch it a few times and I don't the people that I have spoken to online that have watched it have watched it more than once so it seems to be like it's almost like they formulated not only a great movie but a movie that you're going to watch over and over again that you're going to talk about for a long time um it was just a really brilliant feat agreed yeah Well, especially if you do any research into this movie and then you start finding out that there are those hidden ghosts and there's Mm -hmm. those hidden Easter eggs and all of that, it really makes you want to go back and pay attention. But because they're so subtly hidden, Mm -hmm. you can't just find them all in the first watch. You can't. 
No, it makes it almost interactive. So it makes yeah. it like a fun experience as well. So it's not just creepy and scary and well-written. It's a fun experience. Like you'll actually leave that movie with like a smile on your face, like kind of thing. Totally. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but as a horror fanatic, mm. a lot of what I'm drawn to when I'm browsing through all of, especially the free ones like Shudder and Netflix and all that, where you have an abundance of horror movies, yeah. Yeah. is is the visual has to be captivating. Yes. And the visual that they chose for this mm. is so, the, the upside down cross and with mm. their faces just something about it the first second that I saw that visual I was like I knew instantly that this would be a good one right it was yeah the the you're right the visual is just immediately you're like ooh, what's this Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you know with so many horror movies they're not they're not captivating enough so you just bypass it really quickly yeah and I find with this movie it's really picked up steam probably from word of mouth yes I think so too. And again, that's another unusual thing. Mm-hmm. Which just, oh, so good. Yeah. This is going to be a cult classic for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then talking to Keith as well, finding out the details of how they made this film and how it was filmed in his house. Yeah. So the kitchen is Keith's house mm-hmm. and the Henry and Audrey's bedroom is Justin's house. Uh, the outside scenes that we see are Justin's house, I believe. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly. And Keith they said just, they also had to put in the elevator. They actually built it into that house. They did. And mm-hmm. they only had to really build the one set, which was Jackson's room. Yeah. Which yeah. is so great. On a limited budget, that's tough. Yeah, it was made for under two hundred and fifty thousand. Do you find that 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 two to two fifty range seems to be the sweet spot for horror movies? It does. Yes, you read about some of the the low budget horror movies that go over, and I find if they add too many elements, that's going to put them over, and then it's not very good. Mm Hmm. Look at the budget on *Malignant*, for example. Oh, okay. I hated that movie. I'm sorry. I hated it too. I I hated it too. And I just, ugh, turds. Just turds. Wasn't it? (laughs) It was, oh. I laughed all the way through it. I laughed through it. But not even, not even like a a Freddy or Nightmare on Elm Street kind of laugh where you're like, cool, you got your fun one-liners and like, I can enjoy that. This movie was, it was cringy. It was just over-the-top uh, CGI and I'm sorry, nothing ages horror faster than putting technology like that in your film. Yeah. Use practical effects. <laughs> well, and they could have with where that storyline went, but they didn't. Yes. No, he went over the top. That whole scene in the police station Oh my was, god. Was, it felt like you were in a first-person shooter video game. It, it does. It felt like you're watching a bit of a thriller and then all of a sudden you're watching an action movie. With yeah. really bad acting. Yeah, it was, oh gosh, the lead actress. Oh. She was so bad. It was so awful. I was like, for the whole time, I was like, this woman seems like she's a soap opera actress. I looked it up, sure enough, she is. No way. She is. Uh. <laughs> it's just, it's shocking that that, I mean, I don't know about you, I'm not a huge James Wan fan. 
I'm not a fan at all. But <laughs> The Conjuring, though, was really good. I liked the first one. Yeah. The second one had some elements that I liked as well. I did like Phallic as a... As a oh, that was a really creepy demon. Well, nun. in those movies, but not in The Nun. Yeah, yeah not in The Nun. The yeah, actual no. Nun movie kind of sucked. Oh, it was um, terrible. <laughs> it was really bad. But the first two Conjuring, I didn't mind. Um, mm-hmm. I certainly liked it when he worked with Lee Wanell for Saw. But on his own, I find once he gets that budget, he goes nuts with CGI. And like people can watch movies like Anything for Jackson 20 years from now, it's still going to be creepy. Yeah. Watch Malignant five years from now and tell me how good it is. Yeah. Yeah. Five years. <laughs> Well, the thing about Malignant is there's nothing in it that holds you, really, aside from knowing that there's a, so to speak, twist. Yeah. Right? This movie, anything for Jackson, you've got solid acting, writing, directing, cinematography. It's everything about it. Exactly. You're not just desperately trying to clinch to one thing. Nope. It's it's all there. It tickles all of the horror fan senses. Oh my god, it does. I know. Yeah. It just tickles you funny. It does. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love this movie. It's probably one of my favorite movies to come out in the last decade. I agree with you. It is definitely yeah. my favorite movie from the past two or three years, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I um, definitely put it up. My, uh, I did a top... My top uh, movies for 2020 and 2021, uh, and I had this at the top, so. Oh, I yeah. One of the yeah. reviews that I read that I, I loved, I thought this review was absolutely perfect. Um, it was written by Leslie Felperin of The Guardian. She said, Dyke and Cooper turn this almost comical premise into an interesting work that treads the line between genres with agility, and it's a richer devil's brew than you would expect, crisply edited and moodily shot, even if the last act doesn't quite hit the spot, which I can understand. A lot of people struggled with the very ending of this movie. Um, I guess the part where the demon comes crawling out of him. Yeah, and the ending is very ambiguous, Mm -hmm. but I don't have a problem with that. Some people have a problem with ambiguous endings, Yes, and I don't need to be told how to feel or what to think. I love ambiguous endings because it kind of gives you a little bit of something to work and play around with in your imagination after you've watched the movie. It makes you think about it. I agree, and it makes you want to talk about it. Yeah, I hate dumbed-down horror. I don't need to be told what everything means and what everything you know and has to be driven in and reiterated like i hate that about a lot of americanized horror Mm -hmm. um but you don't get that with this movie it's very subtle it's very smart um it's just it's really clever it's so well done agreed i I totally agree i would highly recommend this to both horror and non-horror movie watchers Agreed, because this is a movie, uh, my partner is not a big horror movie fan, she's, I think I've kind of ruined it for her, (laughs) because I talk about them too much, but she actually really liked this movie a lot, so that says a lot when uh, somebody whose favorite movie is Sister Act 2 really loves anything for Jackson. (laughs) Aw, Sister Act 2, that takes me back. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's a great film. Well, we highly recommend it from both of us. Go watch this movie. And if you have been given all the spoilers, you're still going to find enjoyment. 
Yes, absolutely. Five times. And I'm probably going to watch it again. <laughs> I will too. I just wish yeah. it was more available on streaming services right now. Yeah, I think you can only get it through uh, Prime right now, through Shutter, uh, the Super Channel. Right. Yeah. Well, people run and go watch it before it disappears. Yeah, it's a simple add-on, and a lot of times it's free for if you haven't used it before, you can get a free trial. It's totally worth it just to get to watch this movie. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah. That's how I saw it the first time. I knew we were going to be doing that review, and so I paid for Shudder to get it. <laughs> yeah, it's totally worth it. It's five bucks. I mean... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you'd be silly not to. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Sam and I today in High Horror, Episode 1. This is now going to be a monthly feature as a subsidiary of Horror and More with Anya Gore. So stay tuned for more horror reviews. Looking forward to it. <laughs>